and welcome to the West Meeting Room. We're broadcasting from the Map Room Studios in Hart House, and you're listening to CIUT 89.5 FM. We're grateful to be taking up space on Dish with One Spoon territory, and I'm Sabrina. I'll be your host for today's show. I'm here with my co-hosts, Mika, Brayden, and Saba, who's in the sound booth. We're also going to be joined by construction today as well, so please excuse the ambient noise. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll be discussing budgeting especially for those of us who just started their budget for this project. How, how was it? How's it been? (laughs) (laughs) I spend a lot of money on stuff that I shouldn't be spending money on. And also like I built my budget, I think a week ago and like, as a week has gone by, I'm like, Oh, I didn't account for this. Like I, I forgot to put, like, a, where do you put pads and tampons? And, like, yeah. I ran out of conditioner. So I was like, oh, like, is this a new section? Should I, should I just add this onto groceries? And then, like, a lot of little things that I didn't really realize I spent money on. Like, now that I have sort of the budget and I'm manually, like, putting in at the end of the day what I spend, I was like, oops, this is where it's all going. This is where it's disappearing. Yeah, I feel that, like, this is actually reminding me of when I first started therapy because it's like a way of observing yourself and your behavior and your habits. And so I'm, like, I'm like stepping back and, like, yeah, just the act of tracking it is forcing me to, like, face myself. And, um, yeah, I do not <laughs> – I my I would say that the, the thing that – that I've realized from starting this, um, is that my, um, the way that I, uh, I feel like money is the way that you express how you live. And when I look back at it and I'm observing it and tracking it and seeing where it's all going, it's, it doesn't feel like an expression of myself that's true to who I am and in align with my goals, both like short term and long term. So, yeah, this is, I'm really, like, shifting kind of, like, fundamentally, like, my, like, how I act on who I am <laughs> with this. Yeah. It feels big. Yeah, I feel, and I do want to say, disclaimer, that this is definitely not, like, a promotion or sponsorship of YNAB. Like, that's what I used, and then everyone else was like, let's do a budget. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to send you a link to what I use. Um, and that's pretty much it. But I started using the program and like that's when I started budgeting in general in about like January of this year it's it's definitely interesting actually seeing laid out for you where all of your money is going I've talked about this in meetings a lot but every month getting seeing that credit card statement just knowing that I personally don't live a lifestyle or like have the income to sustain the amount of money that I spend on credit. But then also looking at it and thinking, why is this number so high? I don't, I don't buy anything um, because I'm not tracking it. And then actually seeing it laid out for me and realizing, oh no, I buy a lot of things. Um, But then also being able to track it. It's interesting because money was stressful beforehand and it's stressful now and it's going to be stressful no matter what. And it's like the budget doesn't bring the stress. It just itemizes everything and organizes everything. 
all the stress that I used to have every time I would make a purchase that was permeating me no matter what I did. Now I kind of bottle up all of that stress and save it for every Friday when I do my budget. And then for the rest of the week, I'm not stressed because I have a budget. And as long as I follow it, I know where my money's going. And I know that I have enough to cover this personal expenditure while also being able to pay my bills. So for me, the stress, it didn't necessarily go away, but it definitely is more concentrated into one event. And then I leave it there. And then I feel more, um, I guess, assertive or confident in the purchases that I make surrounding my budget because I know where my money is and how it's organized. So I guess I wanted to ask, like, how does stress with money manifest it manifest itself in relation to you if it does um, and if you do have that stress has budgeting taken away that stress has it amplified it or do you just feel it no matter what now it's just an extra thing to do because for me I feel like I was in kind of like a I think the most stress was sort of leading the like all the stress leading up to actually facing it and making a budget. I think I do feel better now that I've started, but getting to that point where I had to like really overhaul and itemize and just kind of like face myself and open those bills, um, like I was I was definitely in denial for like years. <laughs> um, so I do feel better about that now. And then I guess something I realize is. Something I've been doing for a while is on Sundays or like my meal prep day. Like I just never plan anything Sunday. Sundays are always booked. And but I do it in like a really gentle way in some ways. Like it's not like I'm working doing chores. I'm at home. I'm comfortable. I'm usually with my family. I've got music playing. Like maybe the TV's on in the background. And I just I go I just make like a ton of food for the week and I plan out all of my meal planning for the week. And that's really tied in to I think maybe I've had healthier habits around certain budgeting aspects like food like that definitely cuts down on my spending for the week if I know what my meals are going to be but that's also allowed me to like couple that with an existing habit like now I take 15 minutes at some point like I can't talk myself out of 15 minutes I have to make it in like a small enough chunk to like trick myself to get there Uh, so I take 15 minutes sometime during that meal prep to like also write into that same like preparation for the week like what my spending is going to be so I think it's I'm realizing yeah, my stress has gone down and I'm realizing that I just, I need to show up and, and take, be consistent, like take a lot of time for this every week. It's going to take a lot of practice, but over, yeah, I feel better now that I've, I've, now that it's like, I don't know, something that came up with me, like I actually wanted to ask you about this. It seems really unrelated, but I feel like ties into how I feel. It's like, what's the, like lifting the veil? Like I'm, that's how I feel. Like it's like, all, I'm like revealing the unknown has been way more stress uh, and like um, caused me more fear but, but now I've like lifted the veil and I've like seen the truth and I'm like okay actually it's not as bad as I thought and I'm I'm like reclaiming control and power so um, I'm I'm hoping it'll get better I think it's added stress. <laughs> I feel like I, I've, I've recognized, like, a sort of, I think I was denying a lot, like, what you were saying, Brayden, um, how much money I spend or, like, how confused I am about how much money I have or don't have. And now that I have a budget, I'm just, okay, essentially, I have, like, two accounts. I have the account that, like, my parents put money in to pay my tuition and, like, I'm an international student, so they help me out with rent and 
like so they don't have to make and they pay for my groceries to be honest like all the other like I work two jobs and that's like my pocket money for like my hair my nails like eating out but because like doing international transference or is that what it's called transfers Transfers. um are like expensive like they just put a huge lump sum of money in my account and then I manage myself with that and they trust me that they don't check it but that also means that like I always have a contingency sort of of like, well, like if $20 is like, if I take $20 extra from my allowance, like my parents aren't going to get mad. But at the same time, like I don't want to do that because that's not the real world. Like if you're, if you have $0 in your bank account, you have $0 in your bank account. So like I've tried, like I'm trying to figure out ways to sort of like not touch that account other than for rent and like at the beginning of the month to get like my grocery money. So now I'm just sort of like, now that I've made the budget, I'm realizing like how big of a problem that is because, you know, sometimes like I will swipe either card and just be like, oh, I'll count for it like later, but then I don't do it. So I'm hoping with the budget, now that I've faced like this problem and like this behavior, I'll just like either transfer the money from one card to the other or put a hide the card I don't know like hide it and stuff and I also have to like de I've realized like my computer's linked to and like my uber and all those things they're linked to one of the cards and that's really dangerous because like you don't even think about it right like you just put your fingerprint and there goes 10 20 dollars and and what an uber ride or uber eats or anything so I really do want to change that but it has made me more aware but that's scary it's scary to know. But it's, I think, too, what's important is, like, yeah, the budget, I find, I talk to friends and they say, oh, the budget's added more stress. And it's, like, you've been spending that money anyway, and you were going to spend that money anyway. The budget has nothing to do with the fact that you spend X amount of money that you don't have on inflatable balloons every month, you know. You were going to spend that money anyway. The budget's just telling you you spent that money and maybe you don't have enough money to spend it. Um, and that's really the first step in having a tool to rein that in, right? Um, but I definitely feel you on that credit card piece. I have two. I only use one, and the other one pretty much is locked in a corner in my room um, because I didn't want to cancel it and lose the line of credit. But then on the other hand, I, I don't want to be one of those people that has five different credit cards because that's how you end up having to pay off five different credit cards. That is me. <laughs> it's so confusing. Yeah. And I only have, I don't even have a credit card. I just have two debit cards, but like two different accounts. And then like I pay the internet on one, but then I get the e-transfers from my roommates on the other. And I I feel like the budget has forced, like it's the budget's not going to change anything about that. It's just sort of like, well, this makes no sense. Like obviously there's money that I can't account for if I get like, half of the e-transfers on one and then the other on that. And then, like, you know, like, I was round things in my head. I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 like, this is about right. But how much money am I, like, overestimating or underestimating when I do that, you know? So, yeah, it's a lot. Like, the, the many accounts, bad. Um, yeah, Seb, I do want to ask you this question, but I did want to say, um, I know, Brayden, you use a different system, and I do want to ask you about that. But for those of us that are on YNAB, um, if you've ever pressed the reports button, um, 
specifically if you go to reports and then you look up at your income versus expense tab. Oh my gosh, I started crying because basically (laughs) I learned and it doesn't make sense. I'm also not a numbers person and it doesn't make sense because everything balances out at the end of the month. So I always think, okay, well that means at least that I'm breaking even. I guess technically no, like you can still have all your budget, like all your things paid at the end of the month, but still be running on a deficit. And that was just wild to me, um, seeing that red like across every month and thinking, okay, I am paying, I'm sustaining this lifestyle, obviously all of my bills are getting paid, but over time I'm losing X amount of money every month or I'm, I'm going over that money. Yeah, it's just really interesting to look at those reports. So I would say don't do it, but also do it because it was it was also it made me reframe my my mind and how I thought about money and how it's not just paying everything off because you can be doing that and still be living like overextend like living beyond your means, which to me I still don't really understand it, but it's witchcraft. Um, Brayden, I I am curious. So how do you how do you manage and organize your finances? Um, so I just started, um, using, uh, the budget mom method. Um, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, it's just the budget mom. She, I think someone else, an artist, a visual artist that I follow, um, talked about, I guess she did like a, I don't know, story about like her process, but, um, and I really respected that she talked about finances cause like that's something it's, it's, it's been nice to reach a place to like have these conversations because I did not grow up talking about money or like or cultivating that like good skill set around money. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was, it was recommended by, by someone that I followed. And, um, I, I guess I liked it because the starting point was, um, she was like, okay, just the first thing you're going to do for your budget is you're going to write down, um, two or three goals short-term goals like what are what are two or three things that you want to um accomplish in in the next year um and then uh and then she said some like more mid-level goals what's something you want to accomplish in the next five years what's something and then what's something you want to accomplish in the next 10 years and just like having that be a roadmap and a starting point um really made sense to me it really felt like kind of yeah the it just like I want my money to to yeah be an expression of how I live, um, but also kind of learn the skills of like because it's really about uh, for me um, delayed gratification. Like I I don't know like I I am an immediate gratification gal. <laughs> um, like you know you could you can tell that from my Amazon Prime membership, which I had to get rid of. <laughs> uh, we were talking about linking credit cards to everything. I'm really trying. I've hidden credit cards. Um, I'm trying, I'm removing the credit cards from like the DoorDash app and yeah, cause you're talking, it just becomes so easy to be like, I'm tired. I need dinner. I'm going to push a button and now my problem solved. Same thing. All my Amazon purchases are probably between 1am and 3am when I'm like awake and, and maybe Mattis is upset and I'm like, I'm a bad mom. So I need to go on Amazon and buy an $80 infrared turbo, like baby thermometer mm-hmm. <laughs> that like no one needs ever. Um, so I know I feel like I'm like going on a, on a, on a bit of a tangent, but, um, so yeah, the budget mom, uh, just like 
pulling together, what mapping out what my goals are, that being the starting point. And then for me, like I'm very, I'm a very like tactile learner. Um, so I, I use, um, I, I brought my binder today, my highlighter. I can make some highlighter noises for our <laughs> ASMR B-roll. listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and I and just the act of like spending time on paper. I like doing handwriting, so I just write everything out you know, for January, listing it, seeing it, externalizing. Again, like I keep linking this back to like exercises I, I, I've done and I'm doing in therapy where you're like, yeah, pulling things out of your head and externalizing them onto like either a physical interface, whether that's paper or color or, or a computer or something, um, really helps me like stand back and like observe my behavior. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the, the big, um, ten like, a component of the budget mom is she, she like is exclusively cash. Um, so, and that really works for me cause it's like, I, it, I, it feels painful. Like when I go to like shoppers and spend like a hundred dollars on like what feels like nothing, it hurts so much more to like hand over a hundred dollars worth of cash than to just like, you know, swipe tap now tapping it on my card and like not feeling it and being like, Oh, I'll just deal with this later. Um, so yeah, for her, I feel like she's the, the foundation of her method is like helping me build the skill sets for delayed gratification, like me and, and, um, and maybe in like corp incorporate, like also ways to like, not always come from a place of punishing myself. Like that's been probably the most challenging part of this whole process is like, be like, I'm really bad at this. <laughs> like I'm feeling like angry and resentful that I didn't learn more about this. I'm feeling a lot of shame that I'm, that, that I'm so bad at this. I'm embarrassed. Um, but, um, for her, it was just like, I don't know. She just like normalized it, uh, for me, like hearing about her own personal journey with paying off debt and she's a single mom and she paid off like 70 grand worth of debt and then saved for, and just recently bought a house. And that's been her six year journey. And she's actually, um, got her certification in personal finance. Um, and she said that was the first time she ever learned about personal finance was because she got certified in it. It's not something that's accessible to us. Uh, so that's a big part of her mission as well. Um, so yeah, hers is just like, you know, writing it down on a piece of paper, using different highlighters to like map it out and, and, um, highlight it in ways that make sense to you. And then using, um, exclusively using cash envelopes, um, for like the beginning of your month to like parse out like each of your things. I'm not there yet. Like, and she even says that it takes about six months to like really get at, have a working budget that is like in line with um, yourself and your lifestyle and, and something that's going to be realistic and effective long-term. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm in it for the long haul. Um, and, and yeah, that's a bit about, about what, how I've been going about it. Yeah. That's what I hear a lot about. I'm why now. So I'm, I'm always on videos and people who use the system and whether you budget on paper or online or whatever, any sort of system has a learning curve in and of itself. So not only are you learning the general skill of budgeting, but you're also learning how to budget within the confines of the system that you're using. And everyone that I read or listen to who talks about budgeting always says budgets are made to fail. Like the way that our institutions have set up ways of commerce and, and the way money flows, it just doesn't work with human habits and human nature and even just planning for things people seem to have this um 
this preconception to think that anything that they set out to do will nothing bad will happen. It will always be in the perfect condition. So when you plan to get to work, you always make the plan in your head based on thinking that you're not going to hit any red lights, you're not going to be in any traffic, and that's why people are late. And it's the same kind of thing with budget. You think that, oh, I spend $200 a month on entertainment. Well, next month I'm only going to spend 20 and that's going to be perfect and I'm going to be able to do it and that's just not the reality. So I think what's important to keep in mind too is like when your budget isn't working, that doesn't mean that budgeting isn't inherently wrong or wrong for you or there's something wrong with you. It just means that there's something that you need to reevaluate and shift and that's part of the process of budgeting. And even when you get it down, you know, three months, four months, in five months, in a year, something in your life might change. You might buy a house, might have a baby, who knows? And then your budget just, life changes and your budget changes with it, right? I think something that you brought up and everyone's been bringing up is that concept of automation, which is a beast. Um, I know for YNAB, you have the option to link your accounts so that it just automatically pulls in and imports your transactions once they clear, which anyone that I've ever read is like, never do that. I would say never do that. Part of the reason why we spend so much money, and you touched on this too with the the cash versus card, is because it's very easy for money not to seem very real until you have that bill staring at you in the face. Um, And one of the best ways to to have money seem more real is to be involved in every step of the process of you buying something, um, including on your budget, you manually putting in those transactions. yeah, even things with Uber Eats or Uber or Amazon Prime, you know, don't link it. I know with Uber, you kind of have to always keep a card on, but it, it might be worth just deleting your card every single time you finish a purchase or you finish a, a cab ride and then having to physically input it every time you're going to call a card or order something because then you have to stop and think, right? Right. Um, but I do think that also brings up a really interesting question, which I, I want to ask. Cash versus card, what do you think? I know, Brayden, you're saying cash and envelopes is where you're moving to. I know for me, what I do like about cards, though, is that you you kind of have a receipt of everything you've ever bought. I know with me, with cash, it's really easy for me to spend a toonie, spend a loonie, a dollar or two there, and then realize that I had a fifteen, a $10 bill and now I only have $5, but I don't remember what I spent it on. I don't have a receipt. And then also, too, just the rewards, the cash back, man. It's the cash back. It, to me, yeah, I just, there's so many reasons why I should only be using cash. And then I just can't give up the, the quote-unquote free money if I if I stay on top of my card. So I'm wondering what you think, cash versus card? Well, I know there was a study conducted that measured, like, our reactions to using tap and using, like, cash. And, like, the pain sector of your brain is activated, or, like, the loss sector of your brain. I don't know. Um, when you use cash. And it's not activated as much when you use tap. So even, like, what you feel like, oh, it's so much more painful to hand over that money. Like, it, yeah, it's been tracked. It's been studied. It's proven. Um I feel like cash is a really good way to go, especially if you're, like, a very visual person because you can just, like, physically see, like, oh, the chunk is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, And I think it does make you, like, second-guess some purchases because, like, 
with card, you're like, oh, I can just like return it. They'll place it back in the card. It all seems like really invisible. But with cash, are you really going to go back to the store and then like they're going to hand you back a $20 bill? Like it's, I don't know. I'm talking about shopping because I shop a lot. So there's like, there's always that. And because I've never had a credit card, I think I don't have that temptation of like the cash back or like the getting the points or all that stuff. So for me, it's really just like debit or cash. And I realize that when I do have cash on hand, I'm also more likely to like, oh, a $10 bill, like I'll tuck it under like, you know, like where I have a bunch of cards and I like save some money and then I'll, I'll eventually deposit deposit it somewhere. But like, I don't mind my debit account hitting zero because like, well, I'll wait for my next paycheck or like, you know, I'll. it's not a big deal if I know like money's coming in the next day but I don't feel the same way about cash, if that makes sense. I have a point, but can we also just acknowledge the fact every time I open my banking app for my credit card, I get a new notification that's like, oh, we've just upped your limit. Like, apply for $10,000. And I'm like, you know that I'm a student. Like, you, why are you offering me a $10,000? Like, every time I open every other month, another, 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 there's keep offering me to bump it up and it's not something that I personally apply for but I think it's something to acknowledge and maybe something that people need to start criticizing and just saying like stop offering me more loans stop offering me more loans right um yeah that's mind-boggling but I feel like we are like we're we're preyed upon um like I feel like the way like you go into the grocery store and they say like never go into the grocery store hungry and like bring a list but then you go into the grocery store and it's been designed like it's had a team of like research and development like you know doctorates all in a room like trying to map out um like how best to divert our attention and distract us into spending more money or to like pushing whatever product is like getting a kickback that month for being on like the top shelf like that's something i'm realizing too is like how much like like going back to like the credit card and the credit limit something that 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 really frustrates me is that like i feel like coming coming to u of t like there was so much about like you know, here's your ticket to a great life. Like when you get your like acceptance package, it's like your future is so bright and and you're, and and then you come here and like my first credit card that I got was a U of T. It had like a U of T graphic on it and it was from an M- an MBNA uh, had set up a booth in the Koffler Center, and then sometimes they set set up in the quad, like, during graduation, and they give, like, free t-shirts and free water bottles for a credit card that, like, anyone can get, and that that's, like, 20% interest right off the bat, and so, of course, I get it, because I'm an international student, like, same, and, like, um, you know, like, and, and granted, like, m- my parents did subsidize a lot, like, most of my tuition and, and helped me with rent, um, but, you know, yeah, there would be a, a month that I worked a lot, le- you know, during exams, I would work a lot less and then I wouldn't have as much. And then you just re- keep relying on that credit card. And now it's, um, I don't know, 10 years since I graduated and I have four credit cards. <laughs> one of them has zero balance. One I'm, one I'm almost paid off doing like the snowball method, which we can touch on later or we can just cut out. <laughs> um, and then the other two, I have like thousands of dollars on because... Um, that just became, um, 
like, yeah, how, like, going, making those big purchases. Like, one was a Costco credit card. Every time you think going to Costco, I'm going to buy in bulk. It's great. You go to Costco, you're spending $700. And it's like, and um, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just going to worry about that later. And so thousands of dollars later, here we are. Here I am. Um, and then on my other card, I, it was all my, my Amazon card was linked to this card. It was my bank card. Um, DoorDash, like all of these like automated things that are ticking off and even stuff like the, like wanting to like, you know, a friend runs like a Patreon campaign and you want to like add in and it's like, I can give you five bucks a month. And now I've looked and I'm, I've, I'm spending like 40 bucks a month on like all these different things that I'm just not even blinking and like, sure, maybe I can afford it at different points in my life. But when I was on mat leave, like I didn't need, like I was, I was giving away what I didn't have. And so I didn't learn any personal finance in high school. I didn't learn any personal finance finance in university you know my ticket to my great future like actually led me to like tens of thousands of dollars of credit card debt like why is mbna allowed to post up in student spaces i mean that should be a part of like a wellness initiative like it should it should not be allowed they should not be allowed on campus to give credit cards uh to students who are already like set up you know, at, at, at a financial disadvantage because you're students, like you're not like chances are you're not working full time and you're shoveling out tens of thousands of dollars for tuition. Like, like if, if, if we're such an innovative hub of like this bright future, well, why, why can't we set up like, why can't there be like a low interest credit card with a very small minute minimum? And in order to qualify it, you have to take a two week course on personal finance, like in, in building good habits, like that would, that would have been the most helpful thing. And instead, like I, I do, sorry, I'm like talking and getting yeah, so passionate about it, but like I have so much resentment um, towards that. Cause I feel like my quote unquote ticket to a good future at U of T led me into a, a trap um, that I've been trying to claw my way out of and internalizing all that shame, thinking it's my fault when actually no MBNA, you know, pays U of T X amount of dollars to like sell their product to people who are vulnerable. So it gets me upset and I want to do something about it. No. And also like if you are going to be offering, that's such a crazy high interest rate. I don't know anything about interest rates, but I think that <laughs> sounds very high. I might be wrong. It, it's a that sounds oppressively really, high. But also, like, fine. If if they – because, you know, U of T is, like, commercial in nature. If you are going to have those deals with, like – I know right now they're, like, buddy-buddy with RBC. Um, like, set it up with a workshop. Like, make students – like, if you want to get a credit card, like, sit in this workshop. Let's actually talk about what interest rates are. Like, what are – why should you have good credit? Because this is something that, like, um, I've been talking about a lot, like – I need to have credit, I, but I'm terrified of taking out a credit card. Like I actually really am. I don't want to do it until I can get my budget down until like I feel responsible enough because, you know, I want to be able to like rent a house eventually um, using my credit. Um, but if you are going to put up these booths and if you are going to have like the RBC ATMs all over and I know RBC has a lot of events on campus I want I want the resources to help me like manage that, right? Because it's true, like we do need credit cards, but do we really need the one that's paying U of T off? Um, so I feel like, yeah, like I think in that sense, like U of T should have our backs more and like help us like in orientation instead of like maybe 
I don't know, doing a scavenger hunt, like we could sit down for like an hour and like the same way that we got a sex ed talk, you know, that first week of school, like we could also have like a 101 finance. And like, I know that there are like tax clinic because like this is kind of tied into taxes for me a little bit because I'm also bad with taxes. But it's sort of like I know that there's clinics and I'm sure there are like budgeting 101 like here and there. But it's not like this huge like student body initiative. But the truth is everyone needs to learn how to manage their money. It's so linked to your personal wellness. mm -hmm. You know, like there's no one here who's just like, no, I don't have money. I don't use money. Nothing matters. Like (laughs) I don't understand. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to the school sort of like implementing that. I hope they do because I think it's really important. And I mean, I personally have some beef with the tax clinic that that even U of T and getting volunteers to file people's taxes and it's geared to international students. I went to it because I'm lazy and I don't know how to how to file my taxes, but it is geared to, to international students. And the guy that I was working with, it's all volunteers. Um, he's he was like a Rotman student or econ student or something, didn't know what he was doing, messed my stuff up. And because I have Honestly, because I have language proficiency, because I feel like I have status and a place at this institution, because my mom raised me to be a Karen, right before he hit that submit button, I said, what the heck? Because literally it came out with the, you know, it kind of, um, it gives you an estimate of what you'll owe before or what you get back before you actually submit it. And it said that I owed the government like $500. I'm like... I'm a student working two part. Like, this doesn't make any sense. And he was like, oh, and then he fixed some things, and then it was fine. And then I let him submit that because I knew it was fine. But there was a lot of dynamics of privilege and of comfort that made me feel okay to sit up and say, you don't know what you're doing. You're not submitting that on my behalf, right? But this clinic is marketed to international. And I called I called his boss because I was so upset. And even that is a, is a level of privilege, right, is me – going through the ranks and calling whoever I, I called and saying, this person doesn't know what they're doing. And you're advertising this to international students who also don't know what they're doing because they're international students. So that's why they're coming here. Like, this is unacceptable. This is completely unacceptable. Um, and even then, there's a lot of things that this university does that I think, pardon my language, but they have it. And because they want to seem like they're giving people support and they want to seem like, you know, there's all these benefits that they're providing. But especially when it comes to personal finance, like you can't just have, you know, half a workshop or have a workshop, but whoever's running it isn't certified to do it. And then like mess with people's finances. That grinds my gears so much. And when I think about it, but, you know, talking about credit and talking about shame, like, and, and even just talking about what we know, I know for me, I was raised... Um, knowing the importance of having credit, um, especially, you know, um, with my background and all kinds of other things, my mom was always like, you need to have good credit if you want to get a lot of things in life. Um, because the things that you need credit for, you don't have other things backing you to give you breaks where people are just going to trust you with money. Um, but I was raised even beforehand always, if you get a credit card, Put big purchases on it because that's how you're going to build your credit, but only buy that thing if you have that money in cash and then pay it off right away. So you want to get a treadmill for $800, save up the $800, put it on your credit card, and then just pay it off. Um, and that's how you – and it's basically like using cash, but as a, as a credit card, as a, uh, 
in between, and that worked for me. Um, so I did want to ask, you know, how were you all raised to relate to money? Because for me, part of it was that whole credit thing, and, and my mom was really big on being like, do not spend anything on credit that you don't have the money for. It's not just extra free money. It's it's an enhancement to your money. But I did get a lot of messages that were, you know, I was taught to work harder, not smarter for my money. You know, I was also falling into that trap where I spend more money than I than I have, but I just have the motivation to put more hours in or to find it, just find it somehow. We're not those kinds, we're not the kind of people to let the the debt grow, but it is exhausting. Um, and it's, for me, having this budget is also an exercise in making my money work smarter and not harder um, to make up the difference. But I want to hear what your experiences are. Oh, I just wanted to add a little bit. I think mm-hmm. like, international students are also kind of vulnerable in in a different way than like domestic students because like I'll be honest like the international students that I know like most of us are middle to upper class so in that sense like yeah like a lot of people don't work or they have no stress when it comes to like tuition or rent or food or anything but at the same time because our parents might have never been to Canada or lived in Canada they can't even advise us on like specifically what to do and I think that leaves like a lot of international students and like this is a generalization I don't know if I'm really even speaking for myself but like sometimes I know a lot of people who get way above like what a domestic student who's supporting themselves on OSAP or on anything else would spend or would use but because like they have no guidance with their like parents or no like check-ins because they're so far away they're too, so far physically away. it's also like it's so hard for your parents to really like imagine your life if they visited you when they helped you move in and when you graduated right because so that also leaves international students with like a lot of just like oh what do I do with this or how do I manage this should I be saving should I not be saving and so I don't know I think it's like interesting even though they have like the privilege of having a lot of money and you know like international tuition is so expensive um they don't have many times I think the support from their family or from like any Canadian close people that you're actually willing to like open up your finances and talk about it with and that can be really problematic like I know if my dad was here like he would help me with my taxes but like he's just he has no idea how to do it because he lives in the United States um and then, okay, regard, you asked my oh, relationship. Yeah, how were you raised to relate to money if you were? Well, I mean, I always knew that my parents were going to pay for my university. It's something that's sort of like a family tradition um, on both sides of my, my dad's side and my mom's side. But I did, they are very proud of me of like, you know, having two jobs and sort of like slowly I am trying to become more independent from them because like I don't really want them to pay for like my clothes anymore or my nails or if I go out like eating or drinking like I just don't you know I'm 21 I practically live with my partner like I think there reaches a point where I'm no longer comfortable sort of accepting that money from them but I also know that like if you know I can rely on them which I think makes me really privileged and I'm really really lucky um to have that sort of support but 
yeah, I do really want to sort of start budgeting and planning for the near future because I am graduating in a year and a half and I want to be able to manage my own finances without, you know, without not having that fear, I think. It's so important to be like have open and honest conversations about money and finances. There's so many ways that like a culture of being restrictive about talking about money underprivileges so many different groups of people, women, racialized people, people of lower incomes. Like I feel like that's a whole conversation in and of itself. Um, But I did kind of want to end the conversation with asking everyone what their financial goals are um, because we keep talking about goals and, and progress and like working towards things. So I'm just curious to know, like what is it that you are getting in control of your finances to do? I think I have to stop being an emotional spender. Like, I know that's not going to stop happening. And I actually listened to this really great podcast on budgeting and how, like, budgets tend to fail because we never account for the rainy days or when you're on your period. And when you, like, you genuinely, like, deserve to take that Uber to work. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, when you build a budget, trying to think of those, like, days where you need a little bit of contingency Um, But I know I do that, like, way too often. Like, you know what? I can drink coffee at my house. I can walk to my boyfriend's house. Like, I really don't need to be spending money outside. Um, And I know it makes me feel good in the moment. But it's sort of like what you're saying. Like, this isn't really reflecting what I want. Because at the end of the day, like, um, I'm not being able to put apart as much money as I would like for, like, you know, like, maybe I want to go traveling in the summer and – I want to pay for that myself and I'm not being able to like really save enough money to do that. So I think my goal is to sort of like manage the emotional spending and being realistic that it's not going to go away Um, because that's sort of like the world that we live in. Like it's been built to feel gratifying, Um, but also like I indulge in it. Like I'll be fair with myself. And, um, And then, yeah, also just be able to sort of like cut down on that. And I think that will help me like put away some money. So those are my goals. They're kind of connected. Yeah, I feel that too. I'm really trying to reframe, like what you're saying with immediate gratification. And, and I, yeah, I'm very similar. I'm definitely an emotional spender. Um, and so something I'm trying to think about is to be like, well, maybe there are aspects of immediate gratification that I can uh, insert in my life in like a, in like a structured way. So I know, uh, something that, uh, we've started doing is, um, uh, is called a payday pizza party. And so every, we get paid and, and we're, we're, we're lucky in that sense that like, uh, both my partner and I get paid on a bi-weekly basis. And so, but on that day, um, we just like treat ourselves to take out pizza and like, and so I feel like that helps reduce when it, when it, when I have something to look forward to, like if I know I'm going to eat takeout on Friday and it's Thursday, I'm like, Oh, I really want takeout. I'm like, okay, but tomorrow's Friday and I know I'm going to get takeout. So, you know, whatever, I'll just like, I'll have some mac and cheese tonight. Like, so ha- almost ha- leaving myself like little morsels of like gratification and like, in like, you know, every week. Um, and same thing, I have something similar, like, uh, every, um, Wednesday I like treat myself to a coffee. I like bring Madison to daycare and treat myself to coffee. Cause like, I'm going to be out all day. And, and so like, 
yeah, just, just get like rewarding myself. We deserve to be rewarded. I mean, that's where this is coming from. Like, it's like, oh, I, I need this to feel better. And like just reframing that in a way that's not like hurting me in the long run. Um, so yeah, trying, trying to like maybe not get rid of my habits, but how can I shift my habits in a way that's like productive over the long term? Um, so yeah, like I, what I would love a big goal of mine is like, I don't think I've ever taken a vacation or not even necessarily a vacation, but like going to visit family. Cause like, that's another expense with like, you were saying, I relate to that so hard with being an international student. Like your jobs are more limited. Like it's harder to get a job as an international student. Your expenses are higher. You have no context for like your financial situation or like the system you're working within. Um, and then anytime you travel, like you spend basically all your money that would be a vacation traveling home to see your family that one or two times a year. And I've never budgeted like that ahead of time. Like I don't like you, when you put a plane ticket on like a couple of those, those like credit cards that I've been carrying a balance, like a lot of those are plane tickets and that's before you know it, that's like $5,000 that you're carrying with you to like go home and see your family. Um, so yeah, I just want to like, I'm like, how can I, how can I build, um, savings around like those things to look forward to in the future? Um, that yeah. also make you feel more motivated to save. Yes. Cause like you're working towards, it's like what you were talking about, like delayed gratification. Like if you know, okay, in May I have like that week, if I save like X amount, like it makes it also just more tangible. Cause like I used to save just like, oh, for rainy days or like if my phone breaks, I can replace it myself instead of asking for like my parents. But now that I feel like I have a goal, like it also just makes more sense. Cause when I don't save up for that, I'm like, well, I'm getting farther and farther away from like going to Miami or going wherever. So I think that would help. And I don't know. Yeah. I think that concept's so important though. Like saving for what you want, but also budgeting in your happiness. Too many people, and I think that goes back to like reducing your entertainment from $200 to $20. Like if you budget out anything that makes you feel happy and you just think when I pay off all this stuff in five years or if I get a little extra money, that's when I'm going to go see a movie, you'll make yourself crazy. And that's when budgets don't work. You need to budget both for planned happiness, like your coffee every Wednesday and your, your takeout every Friday, but also unplanned ubers to work or i just really need ice cream those kinds of things you need to be able to work into your budget or it's not gonna last i think for me um i spend a lot of time in it's called fire community so it's f is f-i-r-e financial independence retire early and i think for me f-u money which is just making enough money that no matter what situation are you're in in life you don't need to stay in it if it's detrimental to you but you you're just not in a situation where you don't have enough money and that forces you in a job or in a housing situation or in a relationship. And as someone who holds the grudges that I do and, and moves through the world the way that I do, even though I'm working on that, um, I just want to work towards the goal of having a nice savings. And also my whole plan in life used to be going to university, like getting my education, becoming a lawyer, or getting a corporate job. But now I'm looking more into freelancing. So just being able to support myself and not, you know, being able to say no to clients or jobs or relationships or housing um, because I can support myself. I think that's what's really important to me. Thank you. 
thank you to my co-hosts Mika, Brayden, and Saba, who's also in the sound booth. And thanks today for helping produce the show. And most of all, thanks to you, our listeners. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at HHPodcasting and Instagram at Hearthouse Stories. We're here every Saturday at 7 a.m. on CIUT 89.5 FM, and we post all of our episodes under Hearthouse Stories on SoundCloud. Our intro outro music was composed by Dan Driscoll. I'm Sabrina, signing off as your host today. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>